welcome back to the Such Things podcast, where we talk about whatever is true, noble, right, excellent, praiseworthy. So glad that you can be with us today. Uh, I'm David Lang. My wife, Lisa, is not with me today. We are in the middle of a series, she's in the middle of a series, about overcoming insecurity, but we're going to take a pause, a detour from that series today. Lisa got a positive COVID test last week. She was feeling pretty sick there for a few days, but she's doing much better now. The rest of us are all doing well, got negative tests, thank God. Um, But I want to share something with you today, and Lord willing, Lisa will be back to continue the series on overcoming insecurity next week, uh, or very soon. But today, I want to talk about what divides us and what unites us. I believe this is a very important message for where we find ourselves today in our lives, in our churches, and in the world around us. I'm going to be drawing three points from the book of Acts from the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Number one, we're going to see that assumptions divide us. Two, we're going to see that tribalism divides us. Number three, we're going to see that Christ and his cause unites us. All right, let's read together in Acts chapter 21. Paul has come into Jerusalem much like Jesus, uh, it's, Paul said, I know that, that hardship and imprisonment awaits me there. And he, he comes in in Acts 21. I'm just going to read in verse 17 uh, this, this whole section here. It says, When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you've come, so do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so they can have their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that there's no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And that was something uh, that they dealt with earlier in the book of Acts. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end and the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. 
The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut while they were trying to kill him. News reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He had once took some officers and soldiers and ran toward the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Then some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried off by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, Get rid of him! As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and let 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Leave it to Paul, you know, that this this is a violent mob. The whole city is in an uproar. Um, this Roman commander has to come in. Somehow Paul convinces the Roman commander to let him speak to the crowd. You know, for Paul, any, <laughs> hey, any bad publicity, there's no such thing. Any crowd's a good crowd. It's an opportunity to preach the word. But notice all the false assumptions being made about Paul. See, our first point here is that assumptions divide us. Paul had been preaching the word all over the Roman world, doing incredible work for God. But then he comes in and he gives a report to the elders there in Jerusalem, and they praise God. But then look what they said in uh, verse 21. I'm in Acts chapter 21, verse 21. They said, hey, Paul, all the, the, the Jewish believers, they have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They'll certainly hear that you've come. So do what we tell you to do. And they gave him instructions to try to, you know, stamp out this gossip, to put an end to these false assumptions, these rumors. But there's more. Look at this, chapter 21, down at the end of verse uh, 27. It says, they stirred up the whole crowd. They seized Paul, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone, everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he's brought Greeks into the temple. He's defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. They assumed. They said, this guy, he's doing this. He's saying that. Oh, and he brought this, this, uh, this guy into the temple. He defiled the temple, which apparently he had not actually done at all. 
And then look at this. It keeps going. And there's another assumption. The Roman commander in chapter 21, verse 38, he said, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? I mean, this is these assumptions, these rumors, it's almost comical at this point, except that it resulted in Paul being arrested. These assumptions resulted in Paul being beaten by this crowd. You see, assumptions can do harm. Assumptions can do great harm to people. It can hurt when people make assumptions or spread false rumors about you. You know, it's going to happen to us as Christians. It's going to happen. I mean, for me, like I, I, I can tend to doubt myself or, or really fear, you know, people thinking or speaking ill of me. <laughs> but they even did it to Jesus. And he did everything right. Oh, God, we just got to pray. God, give us the confidence of Jesus and your apostles and your prophets, these mighty men of God who kept going, even in the face of lies, persecution, and assumptions. See, it started with these false assumptions and false rumors that could have been easily corrected. <laughs> I'm going to put a, a link in the show notes for the video, uh, you've to, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to put a link to the, to a YouTube video in the show notes here. Please go check it out. If you're in a place where you can watch it, it's just a few minutes long. You can pause the podcast and watch it and come back. But there's this, this video about not assuming, not judging. And basically I'll give you the, the, the rundown. It shows a, a man in an airport, a businessman waiting for his flight. And uh, he he's he sees uh, a shop selling some some cookies, so he you know he's got his newspaper and he he's waiting for his flight. So he, he buys a, a box of cookies. Then he goes over and gets a cup of coffee and sits down in the coffee shop and he's reading his paper. He's got his coffee. He's got his box of cookies open and he he munches on. He grabs the cookie, starts chowing down while he's reading his paper. There's a guy sitting across from him in the coffee shop there who kind of glances at him. Gives him a little half smile. And he kind of ignores that, just keeps reading his paper. But a minute or two later, he out of the corner of his eye, he sees the businessman, sees the guy across from him, just kind of nonchalantly reach over and take a cookie, start eating it. He's not really sure. He just kind of tries to just ignore it. That's a little annoying. Maybe it was a mistake. He finishes it. The businessman finishes his cookie, takes another one. But sure enough, a few minutes later, the man across from him grabs another cookie. This is really getting frustrating now. Eventually, there's only one cookie left. The man across from the businessman reaches over, grabs it, and then he looks right at the businessman, smiles, divides it in half, hands half of it to him, the last cookie, hand back to the businessman, and then the man across takes his half of the cookie and walks out. At this point, the businessman is so flustered, he can't believe someone would behave like this. What? What is this? And he's, he's so brazen, so he's smiling about it. <laughs> well, a few minutes later, it's time for him to get to his, his flight. He's in a huff. He grabs his things, picks up his jacket, stands up from the table, and sure enough, 
as he grabs his briefcase and his jacket, he notices under his jacket his box of cookies, his full, uneaten box of cookies. And it dawns on him that he had been eating cookies from the other man's box of cookies the whole time. He had made assumptions about the situation, making assumptions, jumping to conclusions with incorrect or or incomplete information. It can be dangerous. I'll let you watch the video to kind of see how it ends. Assumptions. We must be very careful of making assumptions about people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, and especially making assumptions about their motives or their heart. Judging motives is always dangerous because only only God can see into the recesses of the heart. You know, the devil loves assumptions. He uses our assumptions about one another to divide the church. I see it happening. Right now, there's so many assumptions being made about one another in the church. Even conversations I've had recently with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Multiple people oh, have told me recently, well, you know, I felt like that brother was cold to me. I think he's got something against me. You know, they, they, they were kind of cold to me at church. Well, did you ask him? Do you know this to be true? Other things I've heard. Well, you know, that, that brother, that sister, she's, she's kind of flippant about COVID-19. She doesn't care about other people getting sick. He doesn't care about people dying. Can you see into their heart? Do you know this to be true? Well, you know, I've had other people say things like, well, they just, they haven't reached out to me. That brother's always busy. That sister, she just doesn't want to be close to me. Are you sure of that? Have you showed them grace for what they may be going through? Maybe they're in a busy season. Maybe they're overburdened. Maybe they need someone to reach out. Other other people, I've heard things like, oh, well, I think that brother is angry at me for my views about COVID or my views about social justice. I think think that sister's carrying a grudge against me for my choices, for my beliefs. But you know what? They're just different than me. We're going to have a hard time ever being close. Man, that's that we got to watch out for that. I think it takes a tremendous amount of maturity and trust to have different opinions but still give your heart to be friends and partners in the gospel. See, Satan wants to find ways to get us in the church to hold back our hearts from one another. We've got to resist this urge to pull back our hearts from one another right now. 
Jesus tells us what to do in Matthew chapter 18. Go talk to your brother or sister. Bring it to them. Go, go, not attack them. Bring it to them. Say, this is, this is the situation. Let them, give them a chance to respond. This is very difficult for me because, you know, as I kind of, as I shared a minute ago, I hate conflict. Man, I got in the the wrong line of work, didn't I? Going into the ministry. (laughs) But go talk to them. That's what Jesus says to do. And, And notice this, church. Uh, I can see I'm preaching a little bit here. Sorry, this is something I've been sharing with my church here at Myrtle Beach. We've been reading the book of Acts together, and it's amazing how much of what Paul and the brothers and sisters in Acts, all the things they were going through, how much we can see ourselves in in what they're and what we're going through. But let me show you this: Acts 21 and verse 24. Did you catch it? Catch it here. They told them, "Hey, you know." Take these brothers and have them do these purification rites. Then everyone will know that there's no truth in these reports about you uh, and that you're living obedience to the law. See, there were there were there was concern that Paul being Jew, a Jew, a Jewish Christian, but there was great concern that he was teaching, as he was reaching Gentiles, that he was teaching people to turn away from the Old Testament law. And they say in verse 25, you know, hey, as for the Gentile believers, we've written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. And that refers to a conflict they had earlier, a cultural and even a racial conflict they had in the church between Jews and and non-Jews in the church, the Gentiles. And so they had come to this, this decision to try to keep the peace. And they had, you know, hey, abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from food with with blood in it, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So, and they also gave Paul these kind of interesting things to do about taking these brothers in and shaving their heads and kind of following this Jewish purification uh, custom. Notice, some of these things here, these items were in obedience to Scripture, for example, were namely abstain from sexual immorality. But some of these things we're seeing about food, about shaving heads, <laughs> these are not sin issues, Scripture issues. It was These were concessions to the culture for the sake of unity. Let me say this again. Some of these things in Acts 21 that, that, that they're talking about with Paul here— were in direct obedience to Scripture, but a number of these things were not. They were a concession to culture for the sake of unity. Here's what I'm getting at, guys. Sometimes, some things are in the Bible. We need to repent and be baptized. Go make disciples. You know, Turn away from sexual immorality. Amen. But sometimes... Some things are not spelled out in Scripture, but we all, at times, must take great pains and go to great lengths to bend over backwards to help maintain unity and trust in the body of Christ. Sometimes we need to make concessions for cultural, culturally divisive issues. That goes for all of us. I've said it before. You know what? If I got to wear a mask to worship with somebody, 
if someone is fearful to come to worship unless I wear a mask, you know, I'm willing to do that for them. I'm willing to do that for our unity as a body because unity, worshiping with my brothers and sisters, being unified, studying the scriptures, being together in fellowship with one another so that we can be partners in the gospel together, this unity is worth more to me than my comfort or my personal beliefs, my politics, my opinions, and even, frankly, some of my personal liberties. Now, before you get too feisty, don't worry. I'm going to try to make everybody mad by the time I'm done today. But sometimes we we make concessions because we love each other and we want to be unified. That's what they were working through in the book of Acts. Repeatedly, actually. Assumptions divide us. Let's go on to Acts chapter 22. We're going to see that tribalism divides us as well. So Paul, we left him. He was going to, the, the crowd got quiet. This angry mob gets quiet and he shares his testimony with them in Acts chapter 22. He shares his conversion story, something he did repeatedly in the book of Acts. And he shared about Jesus being Lord, how he used to be a persecutor, but he came into a, a personal close encounter with Jesus and he shared with them and he, about, about Jesus and how Jesus changed him. And then in verse 19, at the end of his testimony, Paul says this. He, he's talking, he's sharing about his conversation with Jesus. He, he, Paul, he says, Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul as he's sharing his testimony here until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live Good grief. Did you catch it? This seems to happen over and over in the book of Acts. See, what what finally sent the people over the edge into their rage was tribalism. What made them angry? It wasn't even the message about Jesus. It seems that they were more prepared to accept the message about Jesus potentially being the Messiah, then they were ready to accept that Gentiles could be accepted into the kingdom of God. Tribalism divides us. This this forming into camps, factions, parties, it seems to be deep within our sinful nature to tend toward this tribalism, this us versus them. This is my group, my flock, my herd, my party, my people, my family, my culture, my race, my city, my neighborhood. These are my people. And we got it together. And I don't know about this other group. They might need to get it together like us. I think some of this tribalism, these tendencies stem from 
a good place, like our God-given need to belong, to have a family, which is exactly what the church community provides. But see, like so many things that are <laughs> that are not necessarily all bad, Satan comes in and capitalizes on this need for togetherness, and he makes it unhealthy, even sinful. Again, here in Acts, it would appear that they could not stand to accept that Gentiles, someone from outside the Jewish race, could be on an equal footing in God's church as they were as Jews. How much of, of, of their anger here was genuine concern for righteous obedience to Scripture, and how much had really just become about tribalism? So, so here's my question for you, my dear listeners, my friends. Who are your Gentiles? Who's your Gentiles right now? What group are the bad guys in your eyes right now? You know, I love action movies. In the 80s, all the bad guys were communists. In the 90s, they were all drug dealers from South America. And then in the 2000s, they were all Muslim terrorists. We always have new bad guys. Who are your bad guys? Who's your Gentiles? Who are the bad guys for you right now? Who, who have you demonized? What group of people have you concluded are the problem? I, I think all of us need to watch out for this. C coming to this conclusion that, well, these people in the church, these people, they're the problem. You know, I'll be real, guys. Sure. I'll be, just be honest. And again, maybe I'll alienate some people. I'm not trying to push things on people. But sure, I, I do wish more people would take COVID more seriously. I do wish more people would get vaccinated and take precautions. But listen here now. I cannot, must not become judgmental or overcome with anger toward those <laughs> who, who make other choices, especially my brothers and sisters in Christ. I cannot assume their motives. That's back to point one. I cannot put them in another camp. I also wish others, others of my brothers and sisters would, would not choose to live in, in, in fear and in terror. We, at some point, we do have to move forward. But I can't judge there either. I have to be cautious. People do have reasons for concern. It's very tricky right now. No wonder that one of the strongest messages that God gives to the church through the letters that Paul wrote in the Bible, one of the, like, the, the biggest themes, strongest messages, is that we as the church must not give in to divisions. In fact, those who were divisive, Paul says on more than one occasion, speaking on behalf of God through the Holy Spirit, he says those who are divisive, were to be removed from the church. 
even, you know, Jesus, his big prayer before he went to the cross was for our unity. Now, don't get me wrong, guys. Seeing sin and calling out sin is fine. You know, many of these Gentile or pagan cities that Paul went into were steeped in sin. I mean, cesspools of sin. And Paul had to go in and bring Jesus into the, into the cesspool. Bring, you know, preach against sin, but, but bring Christ and repentance and grace into those cities. But Paul was able to reach them with the gospel. So let me ask you, I don't know what side of all these issues you're on. Could you reach a rowdy Donald Trump supporter with the gospel? Could you reach a vocal Black Lives Matter activist with the gospel? Could you connect with and reach out to an avid anti-masker and anti-vaxxer with the gospel of Christ Jesus and his grace? Could you effectively reach out to a flagrant homosexual who wants Kamala Harris to be president? <gasps> I mean, some of us, you know, we've got such strong ideas. Paul could. Paul could go in. Paul was a Jew of Jews, a, a trained Pharisee in the, in the Old Testament law. But he could go into these Gentile cities. He became the minister to the Gentiles. See, guys, assumptions divide us. And tribalism divides us. But Christ and his cause unites us. Oh, this is so good. We've got to, we got to share. I'll just share a couple verses here. Acts chapter 23. Paul is, has, is, testifies before the Sanhedrin. And, and it says in Acts chapter 23, verse 10, that another dispute breaks out in the Sanhedrin as he's testifying in, in his defense. It says the dispute became so violent that the commander, that's the Roman commander, was afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. For Paul, what galvanized him was Christ and his cause. He could stand before the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, or he could go to Rome and stand before Caesar himself, because what Paul was about was Christ and his cause, testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. Look, when he was sharing his, um, sharing his testimony back in Acts 22 and verse 10, he was talking about when he was getting, got baptized and, and, and Paul, uh, he said, what shall I do, Lord? He asked and Jesus replied, get up. Acts 22 verse 10, get up. The Lord said, go into Damascus. There you'll be told all that you have been assigned to do. See, Paul knew he had an assignment the cause of Christ, to testify to Christ. Church, we have an assignment from Christ and we've got to stay unified if we're going to complete it. 
What's your assignment? What's our assignment? To testify to the ends of the earth till Jesus comes back? Are you completing your assignment? Look at the people around you. There's your assignment, your family, your sphere, the people in your reach, neighbors, coworkers, children, relatives, your brothers and sisters in Christ, whoever's in your sphere, that's your assignment to bring the gospel and the kingdom there. Are we getting an incomplete? An F? <laughs> I want to pass my assignment. I want to complete it. Paul, when he was on his way to Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters, they tried to stop him because they knew the hardships that were coming to him. And he says, in, back in Acts 21, verse 12, he, he responded, uh, well, I'll, let's see, when we heard this, we and the people, okay, I'm backing up. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. He was ready to die for Christ and his cause. Am I? Are you? Are we, church? This is what unites us, is that we have something we are willing to die for. And it's not a political party or a, or a worldly belief system. It is a man named Jesus Christ who died for us. We, we are willing and ready to die to testify for Christ and his cause. Are we? Paul was willing to go to death. How far will you go for Christ? Where is your stopping point? At what point do you and I turn back? Where's your breaking point? See, God will allow you to go there to the very end of your rope when you fall off <laughs> and you're forced to let him catch you. He did it with Paul. He did it with his own son, Jesus. But God will always catch his servants who go all the way. Have you? Are you reaching your breaking point right now? Don't give up. Don't turn back. Keep going, keep testifying, stay in the fight. Are you at the end of your rope? Has the good news faded in your heart? Oh, I feel it. I feel it. I can tell even recent weeks, I, I, I came to realize it this past week, I, I haven't been as strong as I need to be, as close to Jesus as I could be. The good news is not hasn't been burning in my heart as it should. And I feel it. I feel it. In our church, we're about to, uh, to do something. We, take, we do this thing annually called our Stand for the Strand here in the Grand Strand area of South Carolina. We, it's a 10-day prayer campaign. We march on the beach and we, we pray. We cover 25 miles of beaches in prayers, in t prayer teams over 10 days. And during this time, I'm excited because we're going to use it. I'm going to use it as a time to draw near to God, to relight the fire, to pray for our community, to fast, to give some things up. What Maybe you need to give something up for 10 days 
so you can walk a little closer with Jesus for 10 days? Is there something that's been pulling your attention, your heart, your faith, your fire away? Maybe you just need to fast from that for a little while. I believe the devil is on the prowl right now. There is an evil spirit of division and mistrust and rage among us right now. And we've got to drive it out in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. There, I mean, he is on the prowl right now in our churches. The church needs to demonstrate unity and love in the face of the disunited world that we see, the disunified world. If you're there right now, you're feeling that anger, that mistrust in your brothers and sisters, first pray about it. Talk to Jesus about it. Drive it out of your own heart. Talk to another trusted disciple of Jesus in your life and let them speak truth to you. Then go and put in the effort to keep unity. Talk to whoever you need to talk to. The Bible says, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, I believe it's chapter four, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Are there efforts you haven't made? Humble honest talks you haven't had. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Church, have we been closing our hearts off? to one another. We must not close our hearts off to one another. Whenever we go down that road, and maybe we're, we're going down that road now, but whenever we go down that road, we always end up closing off a little part of our heart to God as well. Be careful. Assumptions divide us. Tribalism divides us. But praise God, Christ and his cause unites us. Dear Father in heaven, we want to pray right now that we in the church can fight and find a way to be unified and show unity to the world. Please help us. Help us with the mistrust. We renounce that spirit of mistrust and anger and rage we renounce it in the name of Jesus. We invite Jesus into the church, into our hearts, into our relationships, the Prince of Peace. We love you, Jesus. We would die for you. You are our cause. You are our, our big brother, our hero, our Lord and Savior. You are everything. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We'll see you next time. Come on back to the Such Things Podcast. I will praise the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. Our God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.